John Skillman, and this is the Sober Dad Podcast, where we talk about raising kids and not glasses. Welcome to the Sober Dad Podcast Wednesday Check-In. Today, we're going to talk about triggers to addiction. I posted this question on social media, and the response was pretty small and kind of mixed. I'm not sure if it's just an unpopular topic to talk about or what, but the question was, what are your triggers in sobriety? How do you avoid them? What do you do if you find yourself triggered? And some of the responses were genuine people trying to explain what they think their triggers are. And then other people, uh, one person's claiming that they don't have triggers. Uh, he says, I'm a real alcoholic. I can't relate to being triggered for a guy like me. Nothing outside of me ever caused my drinking. I drank for any slash no reason at all. So long as I had the mental obsession. So, that in and of itself, him calling himself a real alcoholic sounds pretty egotistical. If you look back at the last episode, I just don't think that verbiage is appropriate in sobriety because if a new person is asking a question and then he responds with, I'm a real alcoholic that person might be like, you're right, I'm not, and then go out and drink again, or use again, or whatever. So that is not constructive whatsoever. So people like that, you should probably just ignore their advice. I mean, it's possible he didn't mean it that way, but just that phrase kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, someone else said, people, places, and things, when desire and opportunity meet, I'm in trouble. I can't do much about the desire, but I have control over the opportunity. And yeah, that's a little closer to what I was getting at. Save vs. Poison podcast, Will over there, said, for the last few years, it's been media-based. Anytime I watch something where someone is enjoying alcohol in a carefree or even abusive manner, it tends to send me into a thought spiral and ends up with me feeling self-pity and dwelling in idiotic why-can't-I energy. That is a trigger. That one is common for a lot of people, seeing other people drinking or using uh, when Hollywood and the media glorifies it, you know, the watching the Super Bowl commercials, every other commercials for alcohol, then yeah, that can get your your mind moving, your thoughts, your thoughts going. So let's talk about what a trigger is. A trigger is something that brings up an emotional response or brings up old memories of using and can cause you to get cravings or compulsions to do that behavior again. 
what we're going to do in this episode is talk about some of the more common types of triggers and how to avoid them or at least change your mindset if it happens. So going back to what the real alcoholic said, I don't see how you can claim that you don't have triggers or that you were never triggered. You just drank to drink. I mean, I, on the surface, I would drink for no reason. It would look like that to other people, to myself. But there was always, if you look hard enough, a reason. You know, I could be doing something completely unrelated to alcohol, and then all of a sudden a craving comes up. But if you look harder at that, was it something I saw on the TV? Was it a place that I was in? Something caused that craving to come on. It doesn't just tap you on the shoulder when you're playing with your kids or sweeping the floor, doing whatever. Something brings it on. Some minor detail that might be missed if you don't look at it. So for me, the types of triggers that I have are boredom is a big one. Anger, like when I get in a fight, a verbal fight with my spouse. Stress is another one when I'm having a hard day with the kids not listening or just too much on my plate. That can cause me to start going through that thought process about wanting to drink. And this one's kind of tied into stress and anger, but it's political stuff and world events. I used to listen to all kinds of different news sources and a lot of it was just fear-mongering and so much hatred being spewed from both sides and it would get me in this mindset where the only thing I could do was drink because if I didn't I would just be in a terrible mood and be short-tempered with my kids, with my wife. And the problem was, even after drinking, it would help temporarily, but then I would be drunk and mad, and it never ended well. So once you can parse out the things that are causing these compulsions or these thought processes to drink, then you can work to avoid them or mitigate them. One of the methods you can use is the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T, and that stands for hunger, anger, lonely, or tired. So, if you are feeling a craving coming on, you can think, am I hungry? Do I need to eat something? So having 
your hunger needs met is a good way to prevent yourself from drinking because if you're full then you are less likely to want to consume more of anything you're feeling satisfied and then with anger are you angry do you need um like a minute to calm down do you need to talk to somebody about it do you need to decompress you know do something fun for yourself that lightens your mood you know for me video games or like talking to somebody the gym the gym is a big way to, when i'm feeling kind of pissed off or angry or anything go to the gym and just you know pick things up and put them down or my gym has an area that has punching bags and things like that just getting you know getting that aggression and stress out obviously if you're angry with a particular person it's best to talk to them when you're less angry and work those feelings out but in the interim if you can't do that right away uh aside from drinking you should hit the gym or meditate whatever you know whatever your flavor is however you deal with things like that the third one is lonely so are you lonely do you need to talk to somebody that kind of for me goes to accountability if i'm if i tell somebody that i'm thinking about drinking or had like a compulsion to drink the best thing I can do is let someone know. For me, that person is my wife. If she's not available, then I would talk to my sponsor. And if my sponsor wasn't available, I have other people in my life that I can talk to. And if I just the simple act of telling them what's going on creates that accountability so that if I act on my compulsion, then I will know that someone else will know what I'm doing and that act alone usually is enough to stop me from wanting to take a drink. I, I say usually what that's wrong. It's always worked for me so far. I mean, I have not relapsed in this current sobriety that I have because I, I'm not doing it alone anymore. So back to loneliness, that was a big trigger for me, I guess, reflecting on it right now, because I did feel alone. No one knew what I was going through except for me. And the only way I could cope with that was to drink more. And then the final one is tired. If you're tired, then you're more susceptible to everything else. You're more susceptible to stress. You're more susceptible to illness, for that matter. And if you think of addiction as an illness, if you're tired, you're less capable of fighting that. So if all else fails and you're feeling like you need to use or drink, take a nap. If you can't take a nap, just try to relax. But if you look at all four of these things and run through the list every time you're feeling triggered or feel a compulsion coming on 
then you should be okay. And I would actually add one more to this list, boredom. So for me, it's halt B, because boredom was one of my big triggers. And if I find myself being too idle, my mind will start wandering, and that is never a good thing. So I always try to stay busy. I, you know, play with my kids. If things are getting a little bored around the house, we go outside or when the weather permits, we go to a park, go on a walk. Things like that always help to just switch my focus so that I don't get stuck in that constant thought pattern and another one that I would use with the halt B would potentially be um, a, another L for location. I mean, I'm not triggered so much anymore about like grocery shopping and walking through the alcohol aisle, which is conveniently located next to dairy and cheese. But I used to go to the store with the intent to not drink that day. And then I'd walk down that aisle and sure enough, the beer would just magically appear in the cart and I would buy it. So location can be another trigger. And in that case, the thing I did early on was to just avoid those places. So if I needed cheese or dairy or whatever, I would spend as little time as possible in that section. I wouldn't even look at the beer thing. I would force myself to keep my head turned towards the cheeses or whatever, as well as like on my way to the gym in the morning, there's a little convenience store right there next to the gym. So I would go a different route to the gym just so I didn't have to pass that store where I used to buy alcohol a lot. And those things helped me early on in sobriety to avoid any temptation or compulsion just the act of seeing that store sometimes would send me into it like oh i could just pull in real quick and grab it and be out and no one would ever know so to recap those halt b l so hungry angry lonely tired boredom and location those six things are what I would consider things that can trigger you. So if you are mindful of those things, it can help to avoid those situations. And for all you real alcoholics out there, I think that if you actually look at the events that led up to a craving or drinking, there was something there that caused that. I especially now, if I were to get a craving, it's coming from somewhere. The compulsion to drink as a first like gut response is gone for me. It left when I told my wife and family everything that I'd been going through the last 10 years. 
I had dug that hole so deep and it seemed so impossible to get out of that when I did the sense of relief from being free of all the lies and guilt and shame, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to start digging a new hole. And that's all I got for triggers this week. And I want to pose the new question, which is, what is something you wish you knew about sobriety before you got sober? I will throw those up on social media, and you can always send me an email at soberdadpodcast at gmail.com to answer the question if you don't do the social media thing and if you don't good for you but if you do i would direct you over to the hashtag so recovery posse on twitter it's a good community over there and there's an aa group on facebook as well as i'm sure wherever you are there is a local recovery community on facebook as well there's a couple groups that I'm a part of on there, as well as this podcast on Facebook, just at The Sober Dad Podcast. So, as always, please share the show. If you want to, you can support the show. All that info is down in the links. And you find me on Twitter at SoberDadPod. I already covered the Facebook. I said the email, but in case you didn't catch it, it's SoberDadPodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, I want to hear your answer to these questions that I post every single week. So one more time, the question is, what is something you wish you knew about sobriety before you got sober? This should be... A good topic, probably a little bit more popular than triggers. So that'll be posted soon along with this episode. So that's all I got for today. I'm John Skillman, and remember to raise your kids and not glasses. And that is addiction in a nutshell. Er, sh-